right? <laughs> you know you want one, and today you can get one. How about that? That's awesome. So uh, that's not a promotion for TriPie. It's a promotion for our series, by the way, the rest of the pie. And this morning, I want to begin uh, this teaching by asking you a question. What's your go-to energy drink? So like you're, you're, you, know, you're, you hit that afternoon lull, you're exhausted, you're drained. What do you reach for? Do you reach for coffee, Mountain Dew, maybe a monster energy drink? When you're really drained, does Red Bull give you wings? Did you know that, that the, the market, the global market for energy drinks is like growing rapidly? Over the next five years, it's supposed to grow by another 7%. And a lot of people tie this to health and fitness because like 32% of consumers reach for an energy drink after they exercise, which is really pretty ironic when you think about it since, yeah, there's some good stuff in these, some vitamins, but the three main ingredients are caffeine, glucose, sucrose. So caffeine, sugar, sugar, up to 20 teaspoonfuls of sugar in these drinks. So uh, I've got another theory why these things are growing so much. Besides the health thing, it's pretty profound. You ready for it? I think the market's growing because we're tired. Right? We are all very, very tired. In fact, research bears this out. This summer they did a study that says we're more tired than we have ever been in our lives. In fact, half the people said they're too tired to even function at work. Some of you guys are feeling this exhaustion. We're, we're, we're tired of trying to keep up with all the new challenges presented with us in the workplace or at school with our kids. Right? We're, we're tired of our own fears and our own worries, our own anxiety. We're tired of fighting in our marriages or fighting for our marriages. Tired of fighting with our family members or friends about politics or about holiday plans. I think we're tired of fighting with people in our own community who I think on most things we, we agree about most things. We just maybe disagree a little bit on how to get there. We're tired of all of this. It's exhausting. It's draining. So second week of this series, the rest of the pie, a series about resources, like Brooke said, all the resources that God gives to us, our, our time, our money, work, our energy. God owns all of these things, and he gives these things to us to put to our use. And it's no use comparing what God has given me to what God has given you. All that happens when we compare is we lose sight of how generous God has been with us, and we miss out on the extravagant, mind-blowing invitation to actually join God and be part of what he's doing in this world. So this morning, we're talking about your energy, the energy that God gives you. What does it look like to set aside a certain percentage of God's energy to give to the life and mission of God through his church? What does it look like to give this energy to God in worship, or to belong in community, or to invest in others, or to engage the Bible with others at or through Orchard Hill Church, or, or wherever your local church might be if you're watching online? What does it look like to do that in the midst of a pandemic? One of the things we believe is that when you do give a percentage of what God has given to you back to God, what you discover is that it's impossible to outgive God. Now, all of that stuff you would expect me to talk about this morning. 
but I'm not going to. Other than to say, it's your energy, it's energy of people like you invested here that keeps us going, that keeps the mission of Orchard Hill Church moving forward. We can't do what we do without people like you investing energy in this place and the mission that God's given to us. And if you happen to have any extra energy right now, let's chat. This series is about what you do with the rest of the pie. So let's assume you're giving 10% or some percentage of your energy God has given you back to the church. What are you going to do with the other 90%? And more importantly, how will you manage this limited supply, especially when it starts to run low or it starts to run out? What's your go-to energy drink? I think what we reach for really matters. Two weeks ago, online and in Cedar Falls, Kurt Vanderweel thought about this collective energy that's in our society that we are all breathing in, we're all consuming it, whether we reach for it or it reaches for us. Through news, through podcasts, through talk shows and social media, conversations, even in our own thoughts, we're consuming this stuff. And, and, and like an energy, it has some good stuff, but there's spoonfuls, large spoonfuls of bad stuff like, like anger and arrogance and fear, divisiveness, hatred. It's like caffeine and sugar. It gives us all a jolt, right? And then all of a sudden come anxiety and mood swings. We get the jitters, and eventually we just crash. It's negative energy in the sense it, it negates the energy we had to start with. It depletes us. So what do we often do? We reach for our energy drinks. Sometimes this looks like turning on Netflix, right? Turn on the Netflix, so just hoping for a little bit of rest, a little escape, maybe some laughter, a little break from all the stuff that's so heavy. Sometimes we drink or eat too much because it stimulates some pleasure and helps give us a break from some of the discomfort we're feeling. Some of us look for approval from others to energize us. And this stuff sometimes gives us a break. I know that a couple weekends ago, I sat on my couch, and I watched like four or five complete games of football. Had my laptop on one, and I had this big screen behind it. It was enjoyable. It was restful. It didn't give me much energy. This stuff can give us a rest sometimes, but does it feed our souls? I want to suggest this morning that there's actually a better source of energy that we can reach for. It's renewable. In fact, there's an unlimited supply. And Paul, who wrote a lot of the letters in the New Testament, describes it this way. Listen to this. He says, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. He says, listen, I can see that maybe you're tired, but continue working out your salvation. Continue to walk in the faith because God is in you. God himself is putting his energy in you to fulfill his good purpose. I love how Eugene Peterson translates this in, in, in the uh, message. He says it this way. We have it on a slide. What I'm getting at, friends, is that you should simply keep on doing what you've done from the beginning. Better yet, redouble your efforts. 
How do we do that? Be energetic in your life of salvation, reverent and sensitive before God, because that energy is God's energy, an energy deep within you. God himself willing and working at what will give him the most pleasure. Isn't that incredible? God, with this unlimited energy deep within you. Paul speaks from experience, actually. I love how he, he talks later, he talks about how he was shipwrecked, how he was beaten with rods, like, like rods, three times. He was, he was pelted with stones. He was thrown in prison. And then he writes this, still in the midst of this. He says, I press on. I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works within me. That energy is the same. It's the same power. Go ahead. It's the same power as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. That's an incredible amount of power. And Paul says, it's available to us right here, right now. We don't have to let COVID rob us of the energy God wants to work in us. We don't have to wait for a New Year's resolution. We don't have to wait till things get better. That energy is available to all of us right here and right now to fulfill God's good purpose in us and through us. Man, we want to believe this, don't we? We want to believe if we just pray, if we just read our Bible, if we just sing another worship song, bam, instant energy. And it works. For some people, sometimes, until it doesn't. What then? How do we tap in to this energy that God has running deep within us? Maybe we need a new go-to drink, a new flavor. Jesus actually says, come to me if you're thirsty, I'll give you living water. Did you know that his living water actually comes in different flavors? Maybe it's try, time to try something new. So the time we have left, I want to talk about four different flavors, four different ways that I believe Jesus intentionally, different wells that he actually intentionally drank from in order to tap into this stream of unlimited supernatural energy that God has for you and me. These are four ways that we also can tap into this energy that God has for us. And I don't want you to hear these as requirements. I don't want you to hear these as a to-do list. I got to go do all these four new things. No, these are just four new potential flavors of energy drinks for you to try to see if it doesn't fuel you with God's supernatural energy, okay? So the first one is this. Unplug from negative energy. What things are draining you? How might you unplug from them even for a short time? It doesn't have to be two weeks. It doesn't even have to be two hours. Sometimes the two-minute warning, just a two-minute timeout is enough to give us energy, maybe help us develop a plan to face what's coming at us next. Just two minutes of unplugging from the negativity. We read in the Gospels all over the place about how Jesus often unplugged. In fact, one of those authors, Luke, tells us Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. 
Matthew tells us that Jesus, often when he got done teaching, would actually go into somebody's house to get away from the crowds of people. And one time we read about Jesus taking a couple of his friends with him to unplug and get away, and they went up on a mountain to be alone. Jesus made a habit of unplugging from the crowd and from the news and from the noise. He rested from his work, disconnected from the distractions and the demands and the expectations of others. And you know what? This seemed to energize him. On one of those times where, where, where he unplugged, when he, when he came back, he actually went out and walked on the water. I don't know, it seems like that would take a little energy to walk on top of the water. Another time, uh, when he took actually Peter, James, and John up to the top of the hill, and they got away and they unplugged, he actually started glowing. He was going, how much energy does it take to glow, right? No red bull, no red dye, number five. He just started glowing. And another time, he, he, he gets away, he comes back to town, he starts healing all of the sick people, and then it gets late, so he says, you know, we need to feed these people, and he feeds more than 5,000 of them with just a few loaves of bread and a couple fish. It seems to me Jesus was energized with supernatural energy after he would unplug for a while to spend some time with God, and he did this in regular intervals. What would it look like for you to unplug for five minutes, maybe 30 or an hour? What if you had a day? What would that look like to unplug from the things that drain you? Dave talked last week about creating margin with our finances. We need to create margin. We can't spend everything we have. We have to save a little. It's, this is the same principle at work right here. The other morning I got up and I, I was sitting in my chair and I was getting ready to do some work. I had my laptop on my, on my lap and, I, and I, I looked out our bay window Beautiful sun across the cornfield in our backyard. Just beautiful day. And I just sat there just for a second. And then a thought popped in my head. And I know it wasn't mine because these weren't my words, but it was, it was like, God, I just want to delight in you. Who says that? I want to delight in you. But it's a thought that popped in my mind. And then a second later, there's another thought. And it says, and God, I want you to delight in me. In fact, I started thinking, I, I think I want you to delight in me even more than I want to delight in you, and I don't know what that's about. And then all of a sudden I started thinking about all these ways that God has shown me how he delights in me. And I started writing this list of these ways that God has shown this to me. And right there, it's like God's saying, I do delight in you. And I, as I'm writing this list, I'm delighting in him. There's nothing, what can be more energizing than being reminded of how much God delights in you? how much you can delight in him. And I know not everybody has time and space, but we're talking about five minutes, 10 minutes. I know some of you moms or dads out there with young kids, sometimes the only five minutes you get is locked in the bathroom, right? I get it. Maybe how do you take a couple of those extra minutes to just delight in God? What would it look like to go on a five-minute walk? Sit in your favorite chair, maybe say a short prayer or a long one, maybe even fall asleep. But just delight in God and discover how much he delights in you. See if that doesn't give you wings. A second way, I think that Jesus drank in and poured out God's energy 
was by choosing to be curious and to arouse curiosity in others. What do I mean by that? Well, Jesus was one of the best teachers in the history of our world. We're still learning from him today that the people in his day said he taught with authority unlike anybody else. And what was it about his teaching? Well, one thing, one of the ways he taught was he often began his teachings with a question. And one of his favorite questions was, what do you think? What do you think? How many times did he, did he, did he start a, a parable or another teaching or an interaction with, what do you think? You know, when religious people tried to uh, attack him or tried to argue with him or tried to, to test him, he could have easily just spouted off truth and, and been right and put them in their place. But instead, he used questions. He invited people to engage with him. And his questions energized his ministry and the life of those around them by reframing conversations and by flipping religious traditions upside down. By, by shaking them and, and things that used to exclude people, he actually opened the door and invited people to join him through his questions. He invited them to consider a more abundant way of living, to experience a whole new world of possibilities. Instead of closing down conversations, he provoked curiosity and it filled his ministry and the lives of his followers with God's energy. I got to admit, when someone tests me or, or uh, disagrees with me, sometimes, oftentimes probably, I love being right more than I love to love the person who's disagreeing with me. And uh, even if that's a family member or a friend, and I stop and think about that today, you know what, I think I'm probably not alone. Controversies, conflict, right? They're just, they're just raging like crazy. People, I think a lot of people love to be right more than they love to love the people that they're arguing with. And Paul has a word about this. Paul actually says that such, uh, such foolish arguments, such foolish quarrels and controversies are worthless. Let me ask you. When you're in the midst of one of these debates or arguments, what's more energizing for you? A sincere question about what you think or a strongly stated opinion that discredits or discounts your experience and ends the conversation? Opinions, beliefs, uh, declarations about our perception of the truth, they might jolt others and rile them into a great debate, but for a lot of people, that's not very energy, energizing. In fact, a lot of people would say it's downright exhausting. Henry Nouwen says this. He says, answers before questions do harm to the soul. Giving someone an answer before they ask a question harms the soul. If you've been married for any amount of time, if you have kids, you probably understand what he's talking about. Sometimes we try to give our teenagers answers before they actually are asking us a question, and it can, it can diminish them. It can, it can lead to uh, the energy just getting sucked out of the relationship. Good, curious questions actually open us up to the kind of God energy that helps us to grow and helps us to love others. Yet they're so rare. 
What have we committed to asking our kids or our coworkers or a friend the Jesus question? What do you think? And what if we asked it not just so that we could get to sharing with them what we think, but we did it out of sheer curiosity? What if over the holidays this became one of our missions? Is to just simply ask the people that we're Zooming with, probably, right, or online with or whatever, just to ask them what they think and then to seriously just listen with no agenda other than pure curiosity what their answer might be. What might we learn about them, about ourselves, about God. And here's another thing. What if we asked questions and allowed curiosity to lead us as we engage the Bible? We have questions. Like, that's really weird. Sometimes we read something that's just weird. It's like, what's that about? Or it's troubling. What's, what's going on, God? What if we allowed our questions to lead our engagement with the Bible? So I believe curiosity and asking good questions releases energy into our relationship with God and with others. It opens us up instead of closing us down. Okay, so to find energy in life, Jesus unplugged from negative energy. He, he, he aroused a curiosity in, in himself and others. And the third thing that I want to mention today is I think he chose defiant joy. The prophet Nehemiah says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And he says, so because of this, you should enjoy choice foods and sweet drinks, and you should share any of that stuff you have with other people who don't have it and let it spread. And Jesus took these words to heart from this prophet. Over and over, Jesus was organizing dinner parties, and he was criticized for feasting rather than fasting. He's accused of being a glutton and a drunkard because he arranged his life around joy. And it filled his ministry with this magnetic energy, people just wanting to be a part of it. We're told it was the joy set before him that empowered Jesus to endure the cross. According to Morgan Snyder, none of this should surprise us because, as he says, joy, after all, is direct defiance of the kingdom of darkness. Joy's direct defiance of the kingdom of darkness. Jesus came to push away that kingdom, to usher in a new kingdom. And negative energy and death and darkness constantly are trying to rob us of our faith. So what can we do to fight for more joy in the midst of that darkness, to push back that darkness? We saw this video kicked off our service this morning. If you didn't see it, I encourage you to check it out online. But my friend Mike, he gets a lot of joy out of watching his dogs flush pheasants in the field this time of year. He also gets a lot of joy out of shooting them. Pheasants, not the dogs. And so he decided he wanted to fight for more joy by, by inviting some others into that. And so he invited some men to bring their sons to this, uh, this day where we were going to go out in the field hunt. And he brought like 14 boys 13 and under and, and several dads and a couple grandpas along as well for this incredible morning. And, and, and we walked to the field and the dogs flushed a ton of birds and those boys fired their shots. And I'm here to tell you, even the birds were joyful because those boys were horrible shots. And you saw Mike gather them around and say, close your eyes. What do you see? Nothing. That's right. That's what we got. Nothing, you know. And they're all razzing each other and just having a great old time. And then they walk down another section of the field and they get a bird and they 
they hoop and they holler. And, and these dads just had this experience of creating memories with their boys and the boys getting this picture of their dad of how men can actually walk in joyful ways together to follow Jesus. It was an incredible morning. A mom wrote, uh, wrote to Mike uh, like several days later and said, this is the best thing that's ever happened in the history of this church for my husband and my two boys. See, Mike fought for joy and it spread. It was contagious. It defiantly pushed back the kingdom of darkness. It was an incredible morning. God released an abundance of energy in and through Mike. What will you do? What can you do to fight for defiant joy? How do you play? How do you experience adventures? As Dave said last week, even spending some of our money, it's like not on credit, but how do we enjoy toys and trips and experiences that God puts into our life? God wants us to be satisfied. He wants us to experience joy. All right, one more thing. One more thing I want to share. This isn't a complete list, obviously, of ways that Jesus tapped into God's uh, unlimited supply of energy, but one more thing I want to point out this morning. Jesus took risks. He chose to live in ways that put him in total dependence on his Father. I mean, choosing to lay down his life, trusting that God's plan was going to work out for him and also for us, that's a huge risk. So is choosing a few fishermen and a tax collector and a zealot and some other guys to say, I'm going I'm to spend some time with these guys over the next couple of years, and then I'm going I'm to give them my mission to save and restore this world. That's a huge risk. But Jesus did it, and his followers did it. They continued to take risks. And story after story in the book of Acts, we read about how God fulfilled those disciples with supernatural energy as they continued to take risks with him and for him. I'm not talking about an adrenaline rush. I'm not talking about unnecessary risks. I'm talking about those times when God puts something on your heart or something on your mind. Why does God choose to break your heart? Why does he choose to give you an idea sometimes that could work to help resolve an issue or fix a problem. I wonder if sometimes God isn't asking you, not somebody else, but you, to take a risk and be part of his solution. And I know at times like these, it's always easy to be aware of the energy we don't have, the resources that we lack. To say, you know, I'll do something about that when I have a little more energy, when I have a little more time. But how often then do I miss out? How often does the world miss out on something that God wants to do, an opportunity for him to energize us and the world around us with the display of his strength and his power? All because we refuse to take a risk. So what does God impressed on your mind? What does he put on your heart? God certainly wants us to bring our own energy and strength, but when we rely only on our own energy and strength, we miss out on what only God can provide. I don't think we ever feel more energized than when we actually take a risk and become dependent on God's supernatural energy.
So back to my first question that we started with this morning. Maybe your answer has changed somewhat. What's your go-to energy drink? What's it going to be in these coming days and weeks? What will you reach for when you're depleted? God has supernatural, unlimited energy. How will you reach for it? Will you pray with me? God, I, I, I know that we want to believe this is true. I, I, I know many of us do believe, Lord, that you have this unlimited supernatural supply of energy. We're just maybe not convinced of how we ourselves tap into all of that. And so I just pray, Lord, that you would give us time to think and to watch as we follow Jesus how, how he did this, how he modeled this for us in so many ways beyond maybe what we've been taught or what we've learned that there are different flavors and that you want us Lord to find the flavor that that fills us up whether that's choosing to be curious with a family member or a friend or maybe it's unplugging from negative energy or fighting for defiant joy uh, taking a risk whatever it is God I pray that you would lay that on our hearts and on our minds and help us to take that step. And as we do, Lord, I pray that we would experience just that new energy as you fulfill your good purpose in us and through us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.